Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome back to Anti-Diet Bride with me, Tally Rye. This is the podcast that wants you to feel comfortable in your body and confident in who you are in the build up to your wedding day. This month, we are talking all about money because when it comes to weddings, everything comes with a cost and oh my goodness, do I not know about that more than ever right now as I'm in the thick of wedding planning. So we had to get a financial expert on and a past bride to talk about this topic. So it had to be Ellie. You may know Ellie as This Girl Talks Money online or as co-host of the Money Unfiltered podcast. And we spoke about the cost of wedding, what the average wedding costs in the UK. I think your mind will be blown. Mine was certainly blown. And just all the kind of financial stress that goes into planning and paying for a wedding. So let's get into this conversation with Ellie because we really, we really could have gone on there for a while. So let's definitely just get into it. I'm so excited (laughs) because we're going to be talking weddings and finances today. Two things you know a lot about. But I wanted to talk more about the wedding side first. Um, So for those who don't know you obviously specialize in kind of financial content creation and like that's that's your thing but you're also a bride last year am I correct 2021 2021 well what a tumultuous time to be a bride oh my gosh don't get me started I was meant to be a 2020 bride ended up being a 2021 bride as many people did um yeah it was a rocky ride (laughs) how many times did you have to rearrange the wedding so luckily only once um But it was one of those where we were just like, okay, let's hold out. And then I remember we were meant to get married in the October and we made a decision in the June because it looked like things were not going to be back to normal. We'd have to have a much smaller wedding than we planned. And we thought, let's move it. And we actually had two options. We had April or September 2021. And I really wanted April. I was so close, but in the back of my head, there was this question mark as to what if we're not out of this yet? Yeah. Turns out we weren't out of it. So luckily we went with September and actually by September things were relatively normal again. So you could basically have the wedding how you originally envisioned it. Yeah. You didn't have to do loads and loads of different precautions and stuff like. No, thankfully not. Um, we were so lucky because we basically were, yeah, two months after they got rid of the restrictions on weddings. So um, the venue were amazing as well. They literally helped us facilitate everything. We didn't have to change any suppliers, luckily. Oh, um, that's good. Yeah, so we were very lucky in the grand scheme of wedding rearrangements. But it's just one of those things like you never, ever think that it's something you're going to have to do and I don't think anyone until 2020 ever really spoke about postponing their wedding and then suddenly there were 
thousands of us all in this boat where it was like, okay, well, when are we going to get married? Um, and obviously lots of people did different things and we did think about it. But in the end, we said, we'll stick tight, we'll wait and do it how we wanted to do it. And it was, it was amazing. Did you have wedding insurance? Interestingly, no. Um, largely because actually when we booked the wedding, um, there weren't that many things that I really thought could go wrong. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, who foresaw a pandemic? Yeah, and I think, you know, there are definitely arguments for having it anyway, pandemic aside. But on the balance, we didn't really think that we needed it. Um, I don't know whether that's a sensible thing. I'm a bit... I'm one of those people that's a bit like, oh, insurance. I'm not sure about some... Well, my fiancé works in insurance, so we have wedding insurance. (laughs) (laughs) He sorted it out. But I think also because we just heard a load of horror stories from from COVID weddings and people being stung and we're just like, let's just not gamble this. Yeah. Yeah. Once you get that ring on your finger, (laughs) the the, the floodgates of financial outgoings open... And it starts, it starts from the off. I want to rewind a little bit to your proposal. When did you get engaged? So we got engaged on the 31st of July, um, I think, (laughs) 2019, no, yes, 2019. Oh my gosh, you can tell it's a long time ago now, which is mad. There was a surprise after surprise after surprise. My now husband um, had organised a surprise holiday, which I thought was a surprise. And it turns out the surprise was... The you didn't proposal. suspect anything. I only started to suspect. I had this moment where it's so vivid in my mind. I didn't suspect anything until the night before we left for the holiday. So the holiday didn't ring any bells for me at all. I thought he was going to propose later on that year. I just had this moment when my best friend had, had, had made a comment to me about my nails, um, which is the classic thing. And I just was packing my suitcase and suddenly all of these things just started coming into focus. And I was like, oh my gosh, is this what's going on? I need a good outfit. (laughs) (laughs) I need a good outfit. I need to make sure everything's looking good. Um, And then I had this in the back of my head. And then there were just a few things that he started doing, which were a little bit suspicious, but I wasn't sure because sometimes, you know, men are just a bit strange. Um, So (laughs) I was like, is this, is he being weird or not? And then I thought as well that if he was going to propose, he'd want to do it as soon as we got away because he wouldn't want to have it hanging over him. The first day we were there, nothing. Where did you go? So we went to Barcelona. um, Oh, lovely. Which is one of my favourite cities and actually one of my best friends lives there as well. So we'd arranged to see her. um, We went for dinner with her and... I was like, oh, maybe I just kind of made this up in my head. Um, But it turns out the next day was the day that he had it all planned. Um, And he had it all planned with the hotel. And it was, yeah, it was amazing. How did he propose? Give us us the blow, blow, blow. So I I love love proposal stories. Basically, the way that he told me about the holiday was he wrote me clues. So I, I had all these clues that he would give me like one a day. And I had to try and figure out where we were going. And so obviously we got there, we were on holiday. I thought that was the end of the game. And then we just went up to a terrace on the hotel rooftop for some drinks. And he just got out this envelope from his jacket and it was another clue. Were you at that point like, (gasps) Yeah, that's the point where I was like, okay, I think something's going on here. He gave me a clue and the clue was saying, oh, there's something waiting for you in the bedroom. Then we went downstairs and the hotel had like decorated 
the room and everything and there was a bottle of champagne um and yeah we got down there and I I at this point was like hysterical I don't know I wasn't actually crying I was just like oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh um and yeah then he just like got down on one knee and proposed and my first thought was like oh my gosh I hope I like the ring um (laughs) yeah but luckily um it was exactly what I wanted because thank you to my best friend. She had made sure that it was exactly what I wanted. How long have you been together prior to getting engaged? About two and a half years properly, but we actually have known each other for a lot longer. So we knew each other. We met in 2013 um, and then started going out in 2017, then got engaged in 2019. So um, pretty much from as soon as we started going out, we were very serious. Mm. I think I started thinking that it was probably on the cards at the start of the year and then we got engaged in the summer so yeah I'm the kind of person once something's in my head I start like doing just a bit of googling it's so fun and then you realize like oh my goodness there's so much to think about yeah because wow it's not just the venue it's not just the dress it's all the other details there are so many things to think about but yeah I mean had you thought about it before Had I thought about it before, that would be, if you look at my Pinterest board from 2013, (laughs) yes, uh, yes, I had thought about (laughs) it just a little bit. And in fact, if you ask my mum, when I was younger, I always used to like draw my wedding dress. Like in, I used to sketch like outfits. Like I used to just always sketch like cool outfits and then wedding dresses. Like that's what I used to do so much when I was, I don't know, like nine, 10 years old. I want to do, there's this trend I've seen going around and I'm I'm determined to do it where you like go back and like look at all the things you pinned in like 2013. Yes. And just kind of laugh at like your old self for like wanting all the really cringy, funny trends. So I was going to say, I definitely it, need to do that. Do you think the dress is going to look like the dresses no. you drew? <laughs> no, nothing. <laughs> nothing like it. Um, No. And you know, I haven't even tried dresses on yet. I'm actually, well, that's not true. When this podcast comes out, I will have tried some dresses on. But as of this point of recording, I haven't tried any dresses on. So when I've tried dresses on, I'll come back and we'll catch up on that on this podcast. Because I, yeah, I'm sure that's going to be a whole experience. But yeah, it's all very exciting. So I've always been really excited about that part. I've been really excited. I didn't know where I wanted to get married. I wasn't really Really? strong on that. No, I always just loved a idea of a wedding dress and I haven't really thought loads beyond that had you like did you know where you were starting we actually narrowed our venue down very quickly and that's because it's a sister venue of a venue we'd been to just for a weekend away and when we'd been on the weekend away we had actually said this would be a really nice place to get married mm. and I think it had stuck in both of our heads and so I had then been looking at other venues that they had and they are quite a small group there's maybe I think four of them and I'd looked at what the other ones were and basically we had a few requirements I knew we wanted to get married in a church and I knew the kind of style of venue we wanted so actually those two things kind of narrow you down because you've got to have both in a vicinity and yeah this one place just was perfect and so I was like yeah let's go and see it rang my mum up mum we're going let's go and look um and it was actually the only venue we looked at really yeah. you just knew yeah and I mean the the bridal suite has this balcony which looks over 
the grounds and it's I mean it's quite small grounds but then it's in the middle of a village in the Cotswolds and so the view is just fields and fields and the church is huge for this small village and I could just picture myself standing on the morning on the balcony and I now have those pictures of me doing that on the morning um, of the wedding and so it was just that yeah when you're just like this is the place Um, I think yeah it's like people say about the dress and actually we can talk about the dresses as well but I didn't get the moment in the same way that people do with a dress I actually think it's a bit of a falsehood oh really that you definitely like get this like I know Um, I'm not sure that you do because I think it's I found the dress part overwhelming whereas the venue I actually felt way more like this is it don't need to look at anything else I've never thought about another venue ever since Mm. Um, yeah it's funny yeah so you didn't have that emotional kind of crying trying on the dress like oh my goodness this is the one no I mean I tried on quite a few different styles and I mean my mum cried um so I was like okay like but my mum is also a bit more of a crier than me anyway I ended up with two options that I really liked but one was way more bridal than the other and that's the one I ended up going with because I was like I'm only hopefully getting married once I want to feel like a princess I want to do this the whole you know, magical wedding way. The other one was a bit more like an evening dress, which was stunning, but there was part of me in my head like, you could probably wear this like a black tie event if it wasn't white. Yeah. And I just felt like I've got to fulfill the little girl in me and go with the the wedding princess type dress. Part of me still thinks like maybe that wasn't actually like the most me because I don't dress like super frilly Mm -hmm. and girly and I'm glad I did it because in the photos it looks great and yeah, I felt like a a bride on the day Um, but I didn't get that 100% like this is the best thing I've ever put on in my life. Do you think you would choose different if you had to do it today? I do think I would choose differently but that's also because I think I'm quite a bit older now. Yeah. because I chose the dress as well, like three years ago. And I think my kind of style has shifted quite a bit since then. In the moment, it was definitely the right decision. Um, now I probably would go for something a bit different. But also the big thing is that I don't think I would spend as much money on the dress again. Because that's the bit that... Really? Yeah. And I know a lot of people disagree with this. And a lot of people I've spoken to say, oh, that's the that's the one I want to spend a lot on. But it pains me that I wore it for not very long. Um, and it's just sat in my mum's house doing nothing. Would you nothing. sell it? I would like to. I'd like to sell it or to give it to charity, but it had to be altered a lot to fit me. And so I'm a bit unsure as to what use it can do. Like I would love yeah. to do something with it because I don't want to keep it for the sake of it. But yeah, that's the thing that gets me. I think if I did it again, I'd probably look a bit more at ways to cut the cost of the dress and still get something amazing um but yeah whether it would be pre-loved or whether it would just be looking at samples or what I would do um I don't think I would go down the same like full off the rail bespoke very expensive option (laughs) yeah I mean these are all things I've been considering and I'm very intrigued and actually I really want to go to, I believe it's Oxfam in the UK, have a, yes. like a whole bridal shop in Oxford, I think, where they have all these like pre-loved wedding dresses. And if you think about it, they're only worn once. Yeah. So I was thinking, especially as we're having like a multi-day wedding, we're also going to have a registry office. 
I feel like there's going to be several opportunities to wear different outfits. And I really want to revel in the idea of wearing different outfits, but that costs money. So for me, I'm trying to think what could be the best way to do this? I could find alternative things, but I could find it at uh, one of like this kind of secondhand boutique and also I could do the same with my bridesmaids dresses I've been thinking about that as well and I think especially from a sustainability point of view as well you can not only save money you can be more sustainable yeah and use less and make less so I think that I'm really interested in I definitely want to go try things on I think for me it'll be it'll really just depend if I find something I love yeah you know but um it's definitely definitely something I'm going to do yeah and I mean like you say you can probably get three or four outfits from somewhere like that for the cost of one dress from a brand new made to measure place I know someone who wore a 14,000 pound dress second hand and paid 1,000 pounds for it really wow yeah which is wild I mean I personally can't ever imagine spending 14,000 pounds on a dress that is a hell of a lot of money but you know if you can get that <laughs> yeah like you know a Why 14th not? of the cost yeah you're gonna try aren't you yeah and like you said as well it's like so much better for the planet mm. there are these dresses that are just sat around in rooms like that one and if it can have another life or like even the material I might end up just selling the material so someone can do something with that. I just would like it to have a purpose other mm. than getting dusty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That is so true. How did you set about creating your wedding budget, deciding what you wanted to spend money on, deciding what was kind of more important for you as a couple than perhaps other things? Yeah, so this one is really interesting and I'll be interested to hear because I know that you asked your audience Mm. about this question but one of the first conversations that we had was with our families because I think people don't like to talk about it as Mm. people don't like to talk about money but the amount that you spend on your wedding is often going to be impacted by whether you're getting help from your families and we were in a very fortunate position where we did so we had help from four different family members um which is because both sides of our both of our parents are separated and that made it a huge huge weight off our shoulders you know we still had to pay a fair amount of money but knowing that you are getting that help allows you to figure out what you can afford and for us the first conversation was around the the venue because my mum came to look at it with us they obviously said you know this is the price and you know we sat down and said you know we've got to figure out if we can do this and she said I want to help this is how much um I can can contribute and so really from there we then had conversations with other family members we had a look at what we could do luckily we were able to make it happen and that's the reality I think you know we see these figures about the cost of weddings and the costs can be wild and I think that mm-hmm. one of the things that people often, yeah, forget to factor in is that a lot of people are getting help to do that. A lot of people are not reaching these kind of 20, 30, 40 plus grand figures on their own as two, 20 or 30 somethings who are trying to survive the cost of living crisis. Um, there are very few people that can do that. And the other thing is a lot of people 
do borrow money to be able to afford it. And I, you know, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. If you can borrow money and do it in a sustainable way and it's affordable for you and that's what you want to do, I'm not going to preach and say, don't do it. I think it really is a personal decision. Um, But yeah, I think a lot of the time you look in at weddings and you're like, how on earth have they funded that? And those are normally the two things that are going on that we don't see. Yeah, I often look at a wedding and I see the flowers and I know that flowers, I don't even know how expensive they are. I just know they're expensive. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, they had budget because they've got <laughs> flowers everywhere you look. Um, and these are things you see on social media. And I think so much comparison with social media and pressure to have a certain wedding. I know that, I, you know, I know in a way I feel that. I know in a way, especially having an online presence, I want to do it well. And I want to do it well for us. And I want to have all the memories and everything. But I do think there's a part of me that is like, and also the photos I'm going to post online, you know? Yeah. And I really want to, you know, try and just be honest about that with myself. And also just remember that it's not a as much as I love you guys as much as I love you guys it's not about the actual day itself it's about Jack and I and like that is the most important thing and kind of celebrating that and we want to have photos and videos that we cherish and look back on and I feel like that's the biggest takeaway from the day and the thing that you have to kind of really hold as well as your memories because I often think as well from what I hear time and time again is like it can be a bit of a whirlwind the day you don't remember as much as you want to remember so to have people to capture it to remind you or to show you parts of the wedding you don't get to see because you were off taking photos or you know all of that stuff would be really cool but yeah I think there's just yeah so so many costs that feel yeah, quite overwhelming at this stage of wedding planning. I did a little research. So the average cost of a wedding in 2020 was £9,100. This is the average cost of the wedding in the UK. In 2021, that had increased to £17,300. Wow, okay. Big jump. Big jump. And now by 2023, it's gone up to £18,400 for your average UK wedding. Yeah, that is a lot of money by anybody's standards. And I also think, you know, these figures, I always wonder, you know, how many people are they factoring into that? What kind of venue are they factoring in? Because you can always get things cheaper. You can always do a wedding on a budget. You know, there are bare, bare minimum costs, like your church or your registry office that you have to pay, some sort of food, some sort of venue. I mean, you could even do it in your home. So you can really strip it back and do it really cheap if you want to. But you can also spend however much you want to. There is no limit to how much you can spend on this um, occasion. And, you know, I think it's such a tricky topic because, as I'm sure you've seen, so many people really are defensive about the way that they choose to do it. And it's such a personal choice how you want to do the wedding, how you want to fund the wedding, how you can fund the wedding, how much you want to spend on it, whether you want to spend a lot on that day or not. It really is up to you and it really does get to me when people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you'd spend so much money on one day, like you could put that on X, Y, Z. It's very judgmental. There's a lot of judgment about weddings and wedding spending and those decisions. And like I said, a lot of the time we have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. And I think it's really not anybody's place to judge other people's financial decisions around their wedding. You know, you can 
impart your wisdom or your experience. You know, I can sit here and say, I wish I'd spent a bit less on my dress. But that doesn't mean that you should spend less on your dress. You've got to spend whatever's right for you and your budget. And it goes the same, I think, for all aspects of a wedding. You can do an amazing wedding on a really small budget, but you can also do an amazing wedding on a massive budget. And one's not better than the other and you don't get brownie points because you managed to do it really, really thrifty. I don't, I just think we need to stop trying to get one up on each other. And I think, like you said, a lot of it kind of comes down to that comparison. Um, And, you know, I never want anyone to feel like they have to spend more than they can afford to try and keep up or put out this appearance that they, they feel like they have to. It's ultimately a day that's meant to be about love and celebration and friends and family. And you don't need loads of money to do that. But if you have got the money, then if you want to spend it on creating an amazing day, go for it. It's one of those things where it's about just spending within your means, isn't it? And, you know, if you're putting yourself into debt to try and create the image and create the wedding that you see on Instagram, I would seriously think about that and the ramifications that has on your kind of financial well-being beyond your wedding. Yeah. But also like you say, it's really so dependent on the individuals out there. You should, I think as a couple, like know your financial situation, know what you can and can't afford. I also think it's really interesting because as you do get engaged and you start to talk about merging finances and what's your wedding budget and, you know, being super transparent about you know, where you're both at financially, like it really does open a lot of those conversations as well. Yeah. Of like, you know, you really have to get real, you know, with Jack and I, we've been together a long time, you know, by the time we got engaged, we've been together eight years. And I feel like only the last couple of years, and especially since we got engaged, we've never been more transparent with each other about money because we've we've personally always kept everything separate. Yeah. Um, and we're at the point now where we're ready to merge our finances, trying to make it a ratio of realistically Jack earns more than me so he can contribute more than I can so we're kind of making it fair in terms of the expectation like am I expected to put in as much as Jack can well you know that's a lot harder for me to do than for him to do so you know we have to be really fair about it we've had to have really honest conversations you know are your family going to put money in is my mum going to put something in like and what would that be and like have quite awkward conversations I feel like it is very awkward but um, I think it's been really good for us. I, th- I think it's been really good to have those conversations. But I mean, how do you recommend, like what are the key things that you need to know when you're having this conversation with your prospective um, partner? Yeah, well, I mean, what I would say is ideally, you know, the sooner you start having those conversations, the better really about where you're at financially. And I think we go through these different stages of relationships. You know, I'm not for one second saying, turn up on the first date with your pay slip and be like, this is how much I earn. But as we go through a relationship and things start to get more serious, we're thinking about building a future together, thinking about moving in together, all of those different stages. There are paths where your finances are going to intersect and one person's financial situation is going to impact the others. And if you're not talking about it, you're just kicking the can down the line, really. There is no scenario in which a long-term relationship can avoid the topic of money altogether. Um, And I think a lot of people like to think or hope that that can be the case. But if you can start having those conversations earlier on, then the better. And 
for a lot of people that is to do with housing situations so when you're figuring out whether to move in together even if you know you're thinking about renting which is the case for most people first of all like you say how are you going to split rent are you going to do 50 50 or are you going to do it proportionally to who earns what if you are going to do that are you both comfortable with that are you communicating about it on an ongoing basis what happens if one person gets a pay rise or a bonus are you going to factor that in all of those little things that maybe seem small but in the grand scheme of things actually can really shift the dynamic in a relationship when it comes to to money and I always say this but money is one of the main reasons that relationships break down and it's not about the numbers you know plenty of people have very happy marriages where they're earning wildly different amounts it's about the communication and that ability to communicate about how you're feeling about the financial situation about whether you're feeling like it's fair whether you're feeling like it's equal and I think there's a difference as well which people often forget between equal and equitable yes let's talk about this because yeah, you know, if you've got one person that's earning 50,000, one person's earning 100,000, equal contributions are going to hit the person that earns 50,000 a lot harder than the person that earns 100,000. There's also a lot of other things you've got to factor in because ultimately, if you're the person earning 100, do you really want and will you be happy with your partner struggling because they're paying an equal amount to you while you're off having a nice time with your spare cash? Equitable is about what is proportionate. So actually in that situation, you've got 150 combined. So you're going to split 3366. That way, the impact of you paying into the pot combined is going to hit you both in a similar way. So yes, you're not going to have exactly the same amounts of money left over, but it's a proportionate amount of your income that is going into the pot. And actually that for a lot of people is the way that seems fairest and I think is fairest in a lot of situations it's not going to work for everybody and it really does depend again on your circumstances and you have got to communicate about it because if one of you is paying more than the other and you're feeling resentful about it or you're feeling annoyed about it or if you're the one that's earning less and you're feeling like you you know you want to contribute more or you're not being able to pay your fair share then there's going to be bad feelings and that's ultimately how down the line you get to a situation where there are problems. Um, it's just about that constant communication backwards and forwards. And our financial circumstances change a lot. Mm. They change so much throughout our lives, throughout our relationships. Um, you know, when I met my husband, we met at work. So we earned the same amount when we first met. And our careers have just been so different. He still does what he does. He's still a lawyer. I left law, went into marketing, started the business. So he's just been on a relatively steady trajectory and I've been like all over the place. Um, and actually now we're kind of getting back to a place where we're talking about, okay, maybe we in the next year or two might be looking at being relatively similar again. And what does that mean for our finances? Because we've had to adjust all the way through to me not earning, to me earning very little, to me earning more but wanting to keep it in the business so that I've got something to fall back on all of these different things and it's just about that constant conversation what can we do are we happy what are our joint goals how are we going to fund this and making sure that you're on the same page because ultimately if you're in a relationship like hopefully you're planning on building a joint future and a joint vision and I don't want to you know ignore the fact that things don't always go to plan um 
you do need to be able to protect yourself financially as well. Um, But to me, the answer isn't just keeping everything separate at all. It's about having your own bank account, yes, having control over your own money, but ultimately it's both of you managing all of your finances together and sharing in that role rather than one of you or the other basically running the finances. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Now we're at the stage where we're like, okay, well, what's mine is yours, what's yours is mine. And also you know, wanting to joint invest in a house eventually and not and joint invest in a wedding. And so it's like, yeah, bringing up a lot of conversations and having really transparent, you know, at times really hard emotional conversations. I know like similarly, you know, being self-employed, working for myself, you know, this last year has been a really challenging year for me financially in the sense that it's just been so up and down and so inconsistent. And that has put a lot of pressure on me and I have a lot of pride around that. So I've had to really open up to Jack about that and actually tell him exactly what's going on. And, you know, considering we've been together so long, it's been, it was so hard to do, but that was more, I think from an ego perspective for me, but also now we've had those conversations, we're only closer as a result. We're only, you know, we're only even more on the same page, you know, and we're checking in with it regularly now, you know, regular conversations would be like, you know, so I think, you know, X, Y, Z about this money. And for me personally, like I know, like uh, my work can be really sporadic and my income be really, really sporadic. So I can say like, okay, well, it's, I'm now projecting for this, for this next couple of months, which is looking good. And, you know, I'm also really fortunate that when I have had these really kind of tough times I've been with someone who's very financially stable and I recognize there's a lot of privilege in that I'm really lucky I'm so lucky being self-employed and being in a relationship in that situation because if I was on my own I wouldn't have coped Honestly, I, I literally wouldn't have got through it. I would have had to move back home with my mom and it would have been you know I would have felt like I'd really taken so many steps back and I'm only able to kind of just about tread water because I have a fiance who's able to, you know, take on some of the extra load yeah. when I can't. And But my hope is that further down the line, I might be in a position where I can take on the extra load, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so, so glad that you said that because honestly, I wish more people said that. And it's something that mm. I talk about. I probably didn't talk about it enough. I just assume that everyone has heard me say it once, but I really am like passionate about 
sharing that side of the reality that running your own business is significantly easier if you have a partner who has a stable income because mm-hmm. I'm exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I have always had that that support financially as well as emotionally sometimes, but knowing that if I cannot make ends meet, I'm not going to be homeless because you know, he's there to to help and not everybody has that. But also it makes it a lot easier to take risks and yeah. to give it a go, building a business, being self-employed. I would not be where I am now had it not been for that relationship, being able to give me the space to build a business from scratch, which as everyone that's done it knows, takes a long time and is very unprofitable to start with. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a huge amount of financial privilege involved in that. Um, But it doesn't mean that it's also, you know, not easy. And it really does sometimes make that dynamic difficult in the relationship because I don't want him to resent me for the fact that, you know, he's having to hold down the stable job. Um, So it really does bring up a lot of emotions, I think, for everyone involved. Yeah, and this is why they say I think money is such a, like, contentious issue in relationships and it's something that, it is important to communicate about and I feel like I'm only learning this more as we go and like I said planning a wedding has meant we've had to be really transparent have these really honest conversations you know what do I want to put in the pot what can Jack put in the pot um and yeah that's been a really in interesting kind of conversation the thing I'm grateful for is that we've given ourselves a lot of time to plan this wedding so we kind of, we're getting married in June 2024. We've still got 18 months to go. Yeah. So I st- I feel like with this wedding, we've got time to kind of chip away at the cost of it over time rather than, you know, planning a wedding in six months and having all this big cost straight away. We're able to slowly save, put money in pots, you know, get ourselves in the place where it's not all coming at once. And that further down the line, okay, we've put deposits down on things, but when those final bills come in, you know, we're not completely fainting <laughs> looking at the invoices. We're able to, you know, like we've planned for this, we've got this. Um, and we're in a really fortunate position that the nature of our wedding, we're getting married in France, we're going abroad, we have a wedding planner and she also keeps track of all the costs. She has right. a spreadsheet. I'm not a spreadsheet gal by any means. Um, and so, yeah, between her and I know Jack will have his spreadsheets, like, you know, we'll keep on top of it. But it that is a really overwhelming part of it. And I know for myself, as, as I said, like a non-spreadsheet person and a person who has historically kind of buried my head in the sand about finances, you know, up until like literally, probably until I turned about 30. Yeah, like if I was left to do this on my own, I don't know, it would be very overwhelming for me. And I think that's another part that people don't necessarily talk about because I think I'm friends with a lot of people who seem to know a lot about their finances and I'm like where did you learn this (laughs) I didn't learn this like no one's ever taught me yeah 100% it's one of those things where unless you come from a family where you know you've got a parent who is very open transparent on top of finances no one's teaching you it so it really is a case of you've got to figure it out for yourself and I think it's getting better. There are so many resources, so many people that are trying to help, you know, educate in this space. Mm. But ultimately, like, it is something that you as an individual have to take the initiative and be like, okay, I actually want to commit to learning about how to manage my money better, how to get myself into a, a stable financial position, how to make good decisions around money. And that can be quite a big decision for a lot of people because, like, 
you said, you know, there are so many emotions tied up in money. Mm-hmm. Um, from like the positive excitement opportunities, freedom, to like the negative, the shame, the embarrassment, the fear, the anxiety. I felt all of those things, by the way. That yeah. has been a real common theme of my last 12 months. Yeah, because money is like everywhere. We can't avoid it. It really is in all areas of our life. And unfortunately, we live in a society which really encourages us to tie a lot of our worth to the amount of money or material items that we have. And we're not great at detaching from that. Um, You know, I have a love-hate relationship with social media. It's brilliant. There's so much you can learn on there, but also that comparison point, that constant saying, oh, that house looks good. That holiday (laughs) looks fun that wedding looks amazing. Um, And it's always there. There's always like that little bit more that you could always have. Um, And I think that we're really not given the tools at school, university, life, like, you know, to untangle our worth a lot of the time from how much money we have. So we judge ourselves based on how we're doing financially. And we give ourselves a really hard time a lot of the time. And the thing I always think about is, you know, you so often see these interviews with millionaires or super successful people who are like, oh, you know, I sold my business, I got 20 million and I'm not happy. And the reason is, I think, a lot of the time, because they've not figured out what actually matters to them, whether it is money that matters to them. And for most people, it's actually not. For some people, what money can buy is what is important. So it can facilitate that time or that freedom or the ability to travel so the money is the facilitator but for a lot of people it's not even that for a lot of people they want to be able to have a comfortable life but they want to spend time with their friends or their family or their health's important and actually when we figure out what matters to us either as an individual or as a couple you can make much better choices about money but you've also then got to know how to make the better choices about money um So I think you've kind of got to figure out what you actually want and then you've got to educate yourself about how to get there. And a lot of the time, it's not that you need to be a millionaire. It's about just making those simple, well, I say simple, but they're not obviously always simple, but those informed decisions to improve your financial situation. Thinking about not only the cost of everything for a wedding, but actually the kind of financial planning you need to do around a wedding like where do you start yeah so honestly I think that the first thing to think about before you get onto Pinterest resist the Pinterest drawer um is what can we afford what is our budget so that involves talking to each other it involves talking to family if you need to talk to family if you think there might be a conversation to have with family and it also involves thinking about you know, the timeline. So when are we aiming for? What kind of horizon have we got? Have we got a year, two years, three years? Can you decide that you want longer to plan so you can save more money? Really, you've got to figure out how much is realistic for you to spend and work backwards from that. Because if you go out there, start pinning, start looking at brochures, you're very quickly going to realise that you could spend an infinite amount of money. I think you could, I think I saw like a, a wedding planner say, um, you know, even if you had a million pound budget, you still wouldn't have enough because you can always spend more. You can always oh, yeah. do more. And it's kind, like the kind of cost you can spend is like exponential. Like there is no limit. There really isn't. So it's about, first of all, setting that number. And, you know, I'm the first person to say that our budget 
didn't I, I I lost the plot a little bit towards the end um with the budget do you lose the plot in the sense because I just anticipate both Jack and I just going like I don't care at this point I just like I'll pay for convenience and I think that I I do think we fall into that trap quite a bit sometimes we're like oh just whatever's easiest I always caveat with the, this with the sense that you know I never did it with anything I knew we wouldn't be able to actually afford um but you get to a point where in all honesty the numbers are blurring into one the numbers are so high and it that feels like monopoly money a bit doesn't it it does the numbers are so high you've kind of become detached from it and for us the thing that happened last relatively last minute was that I just got this idea in my head that I wanted a you know like a real life photo booth but I wanted it where it's a person like the old the open photo booths and I was on a mission I was like like, this is what I want and this was not that far before the wedding date maybe two months and so we were limited by availability and also there aren't that many of them so I found a person that did it but she was quite far away and all in all there just was charge on top of charge on top of charge and I was like oh gosh like what do we do about this and in the end Chris was like just do it just do it we can pay that money we have that money you won't regret it once we've spent it because it was something that I would have that would be tangible because basically you get this book at the end of the night of all these polaroids and messages from everyone and it's amazing and I actually love it but um it was just that decision at that last that last point where it was like do we spend an extra thousand do we not and because we could, we did. And I don't regret it. But at that point, I was, yeah, really struggling to control the spending on all the little bits and pieces. And it does get hard. And there is always more. You, like you say, you can always get one extra thing or like one extra thing to put on the table or one extra decoration. Um, and trying to stay on top of that and control that is a challenge. Yeah, and because what I'm thinking about is like we have this budget and in theory that's our budget for our weekend wedding in France. But I also know we have to think about in that budget our registry office, which is going to be just a very small family thing, but that there's going to be a cost with that. Then I've got to think about uh, our, you know, our hen do's, our stag do's. That's a cost as well. What do we want to do with that? And it's like silly things like the outfits you wear on your hen do, you know, I will be that person that only wears white for like any wedding related event. I just am going to be that person. But it's like, you kind of forget that when you're buying, you know, that uh, extra little white handbag you need or, you know, all those little things that you kind of forget that are for that budget. Yeah. Um, All add up and you have to really put that in there as well. I mean, there are so many costs that kind of come into it and I think stag and hens another topic that is wild because once again like I've I've seen loads of TikToks of people going on like their hen do to like Ibiza or Italy on a thing and I'm like I don't think I can ask my friends to do that personally if I'm asking for, for me I'm asking people to come to a destination wedding I don't feel like I can ask them again to do another thing I mean it looks fabulous <laughs> don't get me wrong like it looks amazing but I just want to be really conscious of like with the cost of the wedding yes you as the couple have costs but also you're asking your guests to spend as well and I think there's the guest spend to consider yeah and you know we are having a destination wedding I'm not saying like it's like your presence is your present of course like that's all we need and you know I equally I think personally with my hen I'm 
think I, I expect we'll keep it a lot more local purely for the fact of I would I'm already asking these people to travel I don't think they probably want to travel again and when I speak to a lot of you know clients of mine over the years like personal training clients you know one of them was always on a always on a Hindu always Always. going to a wedding never had any weekends free because it's not just your money it's your time and then as a guest it's the outfits and you know there's weddings are expensive like it's weddings an expense in your life whether you're getting married or you're a guest or a bridesmaid as well for that matter yeah did you know um in America like the trend is and I don't know what what you did if you have bridesmaids that the trend is really like the bridesmaids basically pay for themselves for everything and so if you're traveling across country you're you're paying for your dress your shoes your hair and makeup and everything and not only that but you have bridal showers you have the bachelorette um and you're expected to get gifts for both of those things as well as attend the wedding which you've already paid for to go to wow. and then provide a gift. I remember seeing a TikTok about someone saying like, I'm not having bridesmaids for this reason. I think it's got really OTT. And that was from a, U- a US perspective. It's not like that in the UK. No. It's much more pared down in the UK, I I think. I think so, but it always surprises me that, I mean, I our whole wedding was actually quite small because the venue was relatively small. So we could only have max 60 for the sit down, 100 for the evening anyway. Um, but, I had two bridesmaids, very simple, very easy. It always surprises me how many people have a mad amount of bridesmaids because actually just logistically, even the thought of like finding a dress or a style that everyone's happy to wear and the cost, because it really does depend. You could do different options, but if you as the bride are going to pay for the outfits for the bridesmaids, that's like eight or ten dresses and shoes and hair and makeup so even from a practical perspective you put aside another what five grand or something mad oh well once again the cost for that could be exponential you can spend whatever you want to spend on those things you know I'm kind of figuring that out already thinking about like hair and makeup like what do I want to do and you know dresses like I would like to get the dresses for my bridesmaids because obviously they're already traveling out there and everything so you know I'd like to do that um but then I'll I'll think really strongly about the price of my bridesmaids dresses you know that it's probably something they're gonna wear once yeah so I have to say I think bridesmaids dresses a lot of people I know including myself we did high street um my bridesmaids dresses were from ghost um yes i love ghost i love a ghost dress (laughs) yeah and like yes they might be very classic what lots of people have done it but they are great and they are very affordable by bridesmaids standards you know there are some incredible dress makers for bridesmaids but you can easily again pay like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds um whereas yeah there are some really good options one of my friends her bridesmaids were asos dresses and again like 40 pounds or so looks great everyone was happy um so there are good options definitely for that as well when it comes to not spending fortune but it's hard yeah it's really hard to not let it spiral yeah like i'm a i'm a bridesmaid this year i'm buying my own dress but then the bride's getting our hair and makeup done so i think that's a really fair way of doing it as well you know um spread the cost between everyone because then also especially with a dress then you get a dress that's within your budget yes i think as well so you know and you get the one you feel comfortable in and you like and you know we get to kind of she's given us a lot of freedom which is really kind um so that's been great i want to talk about what what the average price of things is apparently for the average uk wedding so 
the 10 key wedding spends are your venue on average is 8,400 pounds. I don't know if that feels high or low. I think that's... I think that's quite high for a day. Yeah, I guess it depends what that includes. It does, it does. Because I know that with our venue, we're getting like all your chairs, all your tables, loads of all, I think, like your cutlery, your plates, like that kind of comes with the venue. So that's included, but once again, hidden costs. Yeah, and actually I'm thinking of it in terms of some venues. Is that just venue hire, so no food or drinks? It just says venue hire. Okay, yeah, so that probably is expensive if that is just the venue and you get nothing else. Mm. And I think I think that's where prices have really been hiked up. Yeah. You know, in the last couple of years. Wedding dress, on average, £1,350. Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> it's a lot for a dress. Photography, £1,300. That sounds quite cheap. I th- Yeah, for a day, you know, that's, that's, not, that's not too bad. No, and photography... I think is one of those things, you know, it's not just the day that you're paying for because Mm. it takes them a lot of work to edit and to get you the final package of photos. So it's not as straightforward as, you know, you're not just paying for one day. Um, But yeah, that doesn't sound overly high from my experience. Videography, 1,150. I also think that's not too bad. No, I think a lot of people will be saying... I spent a lot more than that. <laughs> Wedding band or DJ, 1050 I don't know, you know, on that, whether that's expensive or not. I think that's probably... This is the, av- yeah, the average yeah, cost. Yeah, true. Flowers, similarly, 1050 for average. I'm actually surprised that that's not higher. Yes. So I would think it'd be at least double that. I think you can spend, again, whatever you want on flowers. That was one area for me where I was just... I've never been a particularly flowery person, so... I really was adamant I was going to save money on flowers and actually I managed to do it um, with a bit of help from family in terms of putting together the decorations for the tables but we managed to do it I think probably for about 500 that's really good the flowers all together we had bouquets and buttonholes ordered by a local florist um, and they were beautiful Um, again only having two bridesmaids helped with that because you only need two of those it's another hidden cost um and then yeah we did a bit of diy for the tables but flowers is yeah you can spend whatever you wish on flowers you really can and i saw a tip that said just get flowers where you're going to get most of your photos so where you'll get most for your money so like where you have your ceremony at the you know a a part of reception but the the key moments you want your photos like the key photos you're going to get maybe like two or three points in your day yes that's where you want to have your flowers and you know you can kind of make it work with other things yeah that's kind of my thought process i haven't got to flowers yet so (laughs) invitations and paper goods 300 pounds I think that was also quite cheap considering think, quotes I've been given. Yeah, I think that is very cheap if you want to print proper invitations and menus, all of that stuff. Yeah, you're just table plan, everything. Okay, catering per head, £70. I think that's quite cheap. I think that's quite cheap. I wanted to get up a... I asked loads of people on the Anti-Diet Bride Instagram to just send in like what were their hidden costs, what were their not. And someone said something really interesting. They chose to get married on a Thursday because on a Thursday, (laughs) it was significantly cheaper per head for her guests to eat. So let me find the costs. This is such an interesting point. And I think this is a very controversial point around weddings. 
And the way I view it is that absolutely every decision you make in terms of a wedding is either shifting the burden onto or away from the guests on one side and the couple on the other side. And ultimately, every couple has to make a decision as to where they want the burden to lie. Yeah. And for me, choosing the day of the week is one of these big questions because, yes, it might be a lot cheaper for you as the couple, but for particularly people that are employed, which is most people, mm-hmm. a weekday wedding is a massive hassle. The reason we chose to do like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday is because I want everyone to relax and really enjoy themselves and not feel like I've got to get a taxi at this time to get home because I've got work the next day and they can't truly like let their hair down and everything. That was a big incentive of going to France as well because I felt like more venues were catered for that yes. than here. If I wanted to do what we're doing in the UK, I it would be way out of our budget, I think. Um, so that's that was the incentive there but yeah I couldn't believe so if I was going to have it during a weekday that everyone would kind of feel rushed and I think it wouldn't feel like people wouldn't settle into it and relax and you know they'd have work the day before work the day after and or they have to take annual leave and I think this is a thing I think people don't necessarily think of annual leave in a monetary value Mm. but actually annual leave is very precious your annual leave is calculated as part of your whole package and you know 25 days which is standard in the UK is not much leave and I know lots of people over the last few years who have had most of their leave wiped out by going to weddings and yes as the couple like you might be thinking oh it's only a day or two but if three Lots. or four of couples do that out of their friendship group that year, then it's expensive and yeah. it, it takes up a lot of it. Well, I think she said catering per head, it was like from like 85 to like 70. Wow. It was, it was quite, it was like a 15 pound drop. It was a lot. Yeah. Wedding hair and makeup, 155 pounds. I think that's really cheap. Really cheap. Really cheap. <laughs> Bridesmaids hair and makeup, 85 pounds. Also quite cheap. Really cheap. Really cheap. And yeah, there's so many other costs, I think not considered there what kind of lasting tips can we leave our brides and couples with to help them just feel a bit calmer about the whole financial side of planning a wedding because it really is I think the the stressful bit that taints what should I hope be a really joyful process yeah I think the number one thing is when you are planning when you get engaged sit down together and figure out what are the most important things so Get a list of all of these different elements, all the things that you've just mentioned, and rank them in order. What is the most important for you? What is least important? And factor in all of those other things that we haven't covered, you know, favours, like table dressings, all of that stuff. Put it in an order and prioritise in that order. That way you can at least focus your budget on those things that really matter to you. And those are going to be different depending on the couple, but work from that. And don't stress about all those little things that are at the bottom of your priority list because the reality is a lot of people won't notice. Um, You will notice because you know because you're the bride, that's your wedding. Um, But people won't notice. And remember, people are there for you, for you and your partner to celebrate. They're not there to critique your dress or your flowers or your band. You know, they're going to be there to have a good time to celebrate with you. Um, So it really doesn't, need to be something that stresses you out that breaks your bank that leaves you in loads of debt really just think about what you can afford work within those boundaries and look at what matters most 
I think that's excellent advice. And this has been such an interesting conversation. I have no doubt we'll probably have another conversation about this as this whole my planning process kind of continues and the Anti-Diet Bride series continues because there's so much on this topic. But thank you, Ellie. Where can people find you? Where can they find your page, This Girl Talks Money? Where can they find your podcast? Yeah, so I'm, I'm at This Girl Talks Money on Instagram and TikTok and also the Money Unfiltered podcast. Um, we had Tally on recently. Um, we've got loads of different episodes talking about all things, including um, a couple of episodes on weddings, bridal dresses, all sorts. So come and check us out. We definitely will. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Anti-Diet Bride. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. Of course, keep in touch with us and find more Anti-Diet Bride content over on our Instagram. You can find us at Anti-Diet Bride. And if you have any topics you want us to talk about, any questions for myself or future guests, do get in touch via our WhatsApp. It is 075999 Make sure to subscribe and you can hear new Anti-Diet Bride episodes on the first Wednesday of every month. Until next month, chat to you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.